welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, and I'm here today with Dr. Millicent Rovella once again. How are you doing, Millicent? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing really well. Good. I got some new fig scrubs today. <laughs> that would make my day easily. Right? Right. Love the figs. Totally made my day. No. They should be pro- sponsoring this podcast. Ooh, that's a great figs. Listen Sponsor. up, people. <laughs> Where are you, figs? Figs are by far the most comfortable and flattering scrubs out there. They come in a variety of colors, and they look good on just about anybody. We're not even being sponsored by them. And look not. at that ad. I know. Going. I'm telling you. <laughs> just putting that out there, figs. Well, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Week. Month. month. Not even. Not, it's it's all the weeks month. of this month. That's October. That's right. Is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Yep. And I thought that today that we should probably talk about our sort of side of the breast cancer treatment continuum. Right, and we do. We have a large part to play in breast cancer, breast reconstruction, and I think that's a great idea. Do you know that most women who have breast cancer and have to have lumpectomies, radiation, or mastectomies don't even know that there are reconstructive options? You know what? I do know that because I did my general surgery in Louisiana, And we took off a lot of breasts for cancer. We did a lot of mastectomies, and not a single one of those patients went on to get reconstruction. Not a one. And this was eight years ago, nine years ago. Yeah, it wasn't in the the Stone Age. No, no. This was just this decade. (laughs) And where we practiced, where we did our training, was a very rural, underserved community, and wasn't even an option for them. And that's a big part of breast cancer awareness is obviously... We want everybody to do their breast cancer screenings, mammograms, ultrasounds, whatever they yes. need to do. I mean, there, I mean, there are different recommendations depending on family history. As when to do these screening tests go, you should definitely speak to your primary care doctor. Yes, about your individual schedule for right. that because it is different for everyone depending on your level of risk. Absolutely, but I think. Universal, you know, if you're coming up on 40, you need to start thinking about it. Um, and whether or not you start at 40 or 50 is, is, I don't know if that's still a matter of debate or not. But certainly if you have any risk factors in your family, any known genetic differences or, or problems, you might even have to start earlier than 40. Yeah, there's, of course, the, you know, if you have genetic predisposition, the BRCA gene, uh, right. then you're going to start way sooner. Yes. This is not our area of the continuum no no <laughs> so don't ask yes, us yes <laughs> exactly speak to your, your primary care speak to your ob you know about these things but it is something definitely to be aware of and on your radar yeah i mean in the time that i trained which was um in the stone Age before electricity <laughs> the uh you know, the recommendations were very different than what they are today. Yes. And, it, and they change. And it depends on which society you speak to and which doctor you speak to. But there's a general consensus. But yes, talk to somebody about your individual risk and screening. Yeah. My recommendation is always to go to your primary care doctor because they know you the yes, best. Absolutely. Your OBGYN is similar in, this, in being able to provide that information as well. Um, well, for many women, that is their primary. It is for many for many women, yeah. and they are well versed in when to do your screening. With that said, we jump on to the uh, train of breast cancer treatment. 
in that we are able to reconstruct breasts immediately and in a delayed fashion. That is correct. And I think it's important to note that it's actually a law that insurance companies have to pay for breast reconstruction after mastectomies. So when I referenced earlier that a lot of my patients didn't have breast reconstruction, it wasn't because their insurance wasn't paying for it. It's because they didn't have access to the care. The, the law states that any woman that has a mastectomy or has any kind of surgical treatment or radiation treatment for breast cancer and has a deformity afterwards is qualified for reconstruction. And you can also have procedures on the opposite breast yes. for symmetry. For symmetry, whether that's a reduction or if that's another implant or a lift, and that is covered as well. That's right. So even though you may have a unilateral breast cancer and you have a lumpectomy and radiation and the and the breast gets sort of you know beaten up by all the treatment, you can also do something to the other breast, which has had no treatment, to make it symmetric make with whatever you're yes. doing to the reconstructed breast that had cancer. That is correct. So this is important information. I mean, you can't you can't just approach uh, your breast cancer treatment with like uh, one side of the story. The reconstruction is really important, and it can be done at the time of whatever surgery is being done. If you do have to have a mastectomy, which, by the way, it is my opinion, and I, this is just me. I'm not going to go off on a rant here. I can see you see this coming. <laughs> I've Maybe heard this I might. Before. <laughs> I really. Am very partial to people getting mastectomies and reconstruction for two reasons, and it's not because I think that you shouldn't try to save the breast. I think that's that's fine, but I believe that if you can get rid of the cancer and make a great-looking breast and not have to worry about a recurrence, that is a fine treatment, and it you'll never be faulted for having a mastectomy. I, I get that it's like, oh my God, it's my breast. And I really, I do understand that. I'm truly empathetic about this. But at the same time, breast cancer is rough. You know, breast cancer, you know, my mom had a lumpectomy and radiation, went for 14 treatments. She recurred two years afterwards and that was ultimately her demise. She died from breast cancer. And it was because she was like, no, I'm going to do this lumpectomy. I was like, mom, have a mastectomy. I don't like the way that this cancer is behaving. It's out of a cyst. It's a bad actor. Uh, you know, I can do this, I can do that. And I said, Mom, you know, please just have a mastectomy. Ultimately, she needed the mastectomy anyway, and then she died from uh, metastatic breast cancer. So I've always been of the mindset, and, and I've seen that many, many times, and I know that people do die from breast cancer, and it's horrible, and, and that's why I'm such an advocate for research, for all cancer research, but especially for breast cancer research and leukemia research. That's the, it hit my family hard. I probably should jump on the prostate cancer train too because my grandfather and my father had it. It's probably just a matter of time. But the reality is is that breast cancer, I think, can really be treated. And I think if you are aggressive, you have a better chance for survival. That is my opinion. It may not be the recommendation of your doctor or anyone else on earth. And the treatment of breast cancer is extensive and exhaustive, and there are so many different options. And the ongoing clinical trials for any given kind of cancer in any given woman, the options are endless, and you really just have to choose what's best for your cancer and what's best for you. That's right. Um, and while I agree that a mastectomy certainly eliminates a lot of the concern and worries about recurrence, it isn't for everybody and for every no. cancer, and it really does have to be uniquely tailored to an individual. And I think that's one thing that's important to know, that when you are talking about your breast cancer and its treatment is the reconstruction options. That goes hand in hand with your treatment because some breasts are very easy to reconstruct and a mastectomy and a reconstruction in those patients is very easy, not 
easy to do, but it's an easy outcome to predict. Right. Whereas some patients, especially if they have very large breasts, that is a harder breast to reconstruct. So in patients like that, you sort of have to weigh your reconstruction with your treatment options because it's not going to be the same for everyone. No, and that that is the key is get get with somebody who's really good at this. You know, like somebody like yourself who does a ton of breast cancer reconstruction, yes. you can make better decisions for what's the best approach to the the comprehensive here's my breast cancer, mm-hmm. you know, I am patient, you know, A, what's best for me? I have a, you know, 1.5 centimeter introductal carcinoma that, you know, with the, you know, a node or two and what should I do? And my breasts are this size and that, you know, it goes on and on with the parameters that can lead you to really t- custom tailoring the treatment. The treatment and the reconstruction, which is why we have these tumor boards. And we do tumor board once a week at the hospital that I work in. And it is a meeting of the oncologists, the cancer doctors, the radiation doctors, the surgeons, the plastic surgeons, the pathologists, and the radiologists. And together, it's a whole team that goes through every single brand new cancer diagnosis of that week. And we talk about exactly that same thing. What kind of cancer, how big it is, what's the size of the patient's breast, what is she leaning towards? Is she going to need radiation? We go through the whole thing so that they can have a fully comprehensive plan tailored just for them. And that's the way to do it. It really needs to be custom. Absolutely. Custom tailored. I mean, it has to be because they, you know, this is not a one size fits all. And there are markers, tumor markers to the tumor that are, can help direct your chemo and whether you have to have, you know, ongoing oral chemo after. There, there's so much to this that we really just want people to be informed and ask the questions that they need to ask. Mm-hmm. You know, do I need, you know, ongoing oral chemo? Do I need to get radiation? Do I need to have, you know, any kind of chemo if I have a mastectomy? I mean, there's there's a whole continuum of yeah. care there's that layers. is really key. Yeah. yeah. It's not simple. It's not simple at all by any means in any stretch of the imagination. And I really do feel for my patients who come into this brand new because the amount of information that gets thrown at them from every single doctor they go to is overwhelming, to say the least. It is. And so when I see my patients for the first time and they come to me, they usually already have a diagnosis of cancer and they're coming to me to talk about what their options are. Um, sometimes they don't know if they want to have a mastectomy, so they want to find out what their post-mastectomy reconstruction options are. Or they've already made the decision, I'm going to have a mastectomy, now what do I do? And I kind of go through everything in a, a fairly stepwise fashion with them. The first thing I tell them is, number one, you don't have to have reconstruction after a mastectomy. It is perfectly okay if you decide that you do not want to have reconstruction. Right. Plenty of people do. Reconstruction is certainly an added surgery. It's an added cost. It's an added recovery. And it's ongoing maintenance of your reconstruction. It's not a simple one and done kind of thing. So you have to really commit to that reconstruction process. And that's not for everybody. And the other thing you have to know is you don't have to do it immediately. Some people are on the fence and they say, "Mm, I'm going to have the mastectomy, but I don't know if I want reconstruction. That's okay. If you're not comfortable and you don't want to do it, you're not going to lose anything by doing it in a delayed fashion, three, six, 12 months, years down the road. Absolutely. I mean, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to kind of approach this. And, you know, I think once a woman has the information then she can know what's best for herself. Yes, inf- information is key. 
Well, that's what this is all about. That's why we're doing the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I think, you know, with that said, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is really important because a lot of the media really gets on board. They they really push. They're very good about talking about the, you know, Susan Komen Foundation and, and all these different charities that really help support breast cancer research. And also there's a couple of uh, really great charities that provide uh, funds for reconstruction when, for whatever reason, the insurance does fall out or they don't have. Right, they're, or they can't meet their co-pays or yeah, what have you. Like, yeah. You know, there's these angel uh, foundations that are just amazing. And, you know, um, I think that having the information is key and then digging a little deeper to see what's right for you are really the secrets to getting great outcomes in in breast cancer treatment. I would also say, too, that don't wait on this stuff. Like, I would tell people that if you think you found a lump or something on your self-exam, don't put it off. Yeah, have it checked out. It's you very, gotta do it. It's terrifying to me. The more I see this, the more I treat it, how young a lot of my patients yes. are. I'm talking, I mean, I have some in their 20s, I have a decent amount in their 30s, and a lot in their 40s. So if you feel something or you find something that you're concerned about, don't brush it off by saying, oh, I'm too young, there's no way. Because it, I'm seeing it in really young patients a lot and more more commonly than I think previously. Yeah, it. I don't know what that's about, but it, it is really for sure. I remember... When I was in my residency, there was somebody that was like 33 who had, uh, you know, she had bilateral breast cancer and, uh, we were like, Oh my God, like it was so odd, you know? And I, I think it was, I, I think that electricity, it, it was like, <laughs> it was like 1995 when I remember that. And it was so odd that she was 33 and had breast cancer. But today, and, the, and this it. isn't too far down the road. Yeah. I mean, granted I was pretty young then, but, um, you know, that's, we're like 25, 26 years later on, and now like 33, like we see that. Right, and that's, that was probably someone that had a Baraka who just didn't yes. know what it was at the time. So Baraka is a gene. There's multiple genes that have an increased tendency for the patient to have breast cancer. There's two, Baraka 1, Baraka 2, which has a very high risk of cancer if you do, in fact, have those genes. And for a lot of those patients, once they're diagnosed, they usually do go on to have mastectomies ahead of time before they've even developed a cancer because the chances of them having cancer is very high. Right. That is a prophylactic mastectomy and immediate reconstruction. Yes. Yes. And that works great. Those are, that is, and that's, probably the best case scenario of breast reconstruction I can do. Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a free shot. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with radiation. You don't have to deal with uh, you know, a crazy insane, you know, skin flap resection even though I'm sure you still use alloderm and everything when you when you do those reconstructions. Um, we have no financial interest in <laughs> Allergan or any of the other companies. Um, we should go on record with that. Um, I wonder if we need to make disclosures of our financial we do not conflicts. get paid for anything that we say or do here <laughs> but i but i am a consultant for mtf biologics i only receive speaking fees from them and then i am a consultant for all my lasers and i receive speaking fees and preferential pricing for the uh lasers do we have to say that i i don't know if we should i said it you said it but i don't know if we need to say it like I think if we're talking about the actual then we should products, probably we should do that. Yeah, but we don't have no conflicts of interest in this discussion. Correct. 
I am not the CEO of Allergan. Thank God. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. Another podcast. We'll get to that one. Yeah, in fact, uh, just this week I have uh, that. I don't know. Did you see those videos of uh, my patient who posted this incredible video about having her explant of textured Allergan implants? Speaking of breast cancer awareness, she posted a video about having removal of her textured Allergan implants in order to uh, avoid the lymphoma that can come from these textured Allergan implants. And she was reconstructed just with fat grafting. And oh, she's pretty happy. I bet. It's a great choice. She And she looks very skinny after I needed all that fat <laughs> to try to make some breasts for her. She, she's like, wow, I really got thin. I was like, well, you <laughs> well, know, we're trying to make some breasts yeah. here. You know, I yeah. need some fat need to do that. You need a lot of fat for that. You do. You need yeah. a lot of fat. But if, you know, and, you know, it's not, it wasn't like she was in bad shape, but she looks great now. She's really... She's got a great contour, and then we put in the the fat for her, and and she was really happy. I think it's going to turn out great. And she solved the problem of what to do about her allergen implants. Now, again, just to come back around on that topic, the FDA does not recommend that everybody just go, like, take out their textured allergen implants. No, not at all. Our societies don't recommend it. FDA doesn't recommend it. Now that we know what ALCL is and we sort of have a handle on it, it's an implant-associated lymphoma, very rare. We know how it presents. It presents as swelling and, and fluid around the implant. So it's not something that will catch you by surprise. So if the implants aren't causing problems, then no, we don't recommend taking them out. But peace of mind, a lot of patients say, yes. I want them out. I don't even want to have to worry about that. That's right. And so, and that's kind of my opinion is that if I had those, I would take them out. I'm just, I know me and you know, I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way. And there's other people who's just like, oh, it's not causing yeah. a problem. I'm going to leave it alone. Yeah. And that's all good. Again, get the information from your plastic surgeon on that one. That That's when you got to talk to somebody who's doing this. Yes. Agreed. Well, this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. And we're out. The Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is brought to you by Rock Spa. This is Medi Spa, located both in Beverly Hills and Newport Beach, providing services such as Botox, fillers, lasers, and all therapy, as well as hydrofacials and all the aesthetic products you could possibly need. It's run by the medical director, me, Dr. Jay Calvert. Rock Spa Beverly Hills is located at 120 South Spalding Drive in Suite 340, Beverly Hills, 90212. The phone number there is 310-777-0496. And Rock Spa Newport Beach is located at 1617 West Cliff Drive, Newport Beach, California, 92660. The phone number there is 949-644-1111. You can go to their respective websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. Rockspa was created to help my patients maintain their aesthetic beauty in between whatever operations they have throughout their lives. It's something that allows patients to come in, get their facials, skin treatments, take care of all the Botox fillers and lasers that they need to keep up their beauty and if they've invested in any of the aesthetic operations I perform it's the way to maintain those operations if you mention this podcast you will get the members pricing for your hydrofacial the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast is the way that Dr. Ravello and I talk about the issues that are important to us in plastic surgery but there's nothing better than getting to take care of our patients and do plastic surgery 
Our practices are located in Beverly Hills, and I also have a satellite office in Newport Beach. If you'd like to get more information about our actual plastic surgery practices, you can take a look at my practice at drcalvert.com and Dr. Ravello. Ravelloplasticsurgery.com. My phone number is 310-954-1355, or you can contact us directly through the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can learn about my practice at drcalvert.com, and you can reach my office by calling 310-777-8800, and that will get you an appointment either in Beverly Hills or at the Newport Beach office. My practice is located in Beverly Hills. Our office phone number is 310-954-1355. You can also contact us directly through the website, which is rovelloplasticsurgery.com. We look forward to seeing you in the office for some aesthetic tune-ups.